you would, to Acts chapter 16. <clears throat> Acts chapter 16. Two weeks ago, <clears throat> we started talking about the challenges of difficulties when they come into our lives. And... <clears throat> um, Last week, we had a visiting uh, speaker here, uh, uh, one of my professors when I was in college, uh, <clears throat> so we skipped last week, but, you know, we di difficulties <clears throat> are an unfortunate part of life, but they are a very important part of life. It is the difficulties of life that often mold us and, and shape us into what God wants us to be. Um, <clears throat> Jesus told his disciples that difficulties were, were, were coming. Um, in uh, John chapter 16, verse 33, it says, These things have I spoken unto you that in, me, uh, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We can't avoid them. Difficulties are what shape us into his image if we let them. It has been said that some people don't look up until they hit bottom. Unfortunately, you're looking at one of those type people. How many of you joined me in that one? Amen. <laughs> I'm tired of hitting bottom. As I was praying and thinking about this message, I, I, I thought, you know what? I wish I, 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 my desire is to be one of those people that is constantly looking up. I don't have to hit bottom in order to look up. I want to be always looking at the cross, always looking to Jesus Christ. You know, we cannot always control difficult situations when they come into our lives. But we can control how we respond. Last uh, two weeks ago, I, I gave you a quote that I have quoted many times at this church. Uh, I cannot control what other people think, say, and do, but I can control what I think, say, and do. <clears throat> In the first century church that we're going to be talking about this morning in Acts, uh, in the book of Acts, um, they were very familiar with trials and struggles and difficult situations. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory, uh, excuse me, glorify God on this behalf. In other words, when, when persecution comes, when difficulties come, keep your eyes on Christ. Glorify Him. <clears throat> the first century church needed to, do, to, to depend on each other, uh, just like we need to depend on each other. The, the title of the message this morning is uh, striving, striving Together Through Difficulties, Part 2. Next week we'll have Part 3. <clears throat> But part two, 
striving together through difficulty. We need each other. That, that is one of the reasons why God gave us the local church, so that we can help each other through difficult situations. <clears throat> Acts chapter 16, let's start reading in verse 6. And now when they had gone through uh, uh, Phrygia and uh, the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to uh, Messiah, they essayed to go to uh, Bethania, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passed by Messiah and came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed, say, prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after they uh, had uh, seen the vision, immediately uh, we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us <clears throat> for to preach the gospel unto them. Now, it would, it's easy for us to understand at this point that Paul and Silas, it would, be, it would be the will of God for them to go to Macedonia. It's easy for us to say that. It, was, it is the will of God for them to do this. But what happens when difficulties come? Because difficulties do come. Does the will of God change? No. No, it doesn't. Now, our, our feelings change, our emotions change, but the will of God never changes. They were, as we would say, smack dab in the middle of the will of God. The lesson that we learned two weeks ago, uh, at least I, w I hope you, we learned, was doing the will of God does not exempt us from difficult situations. Just because we are in the will of God does not mean we are on easy street. The prosperity gospel uh, internet te television evangelists will tell you, if you're in the will of God, you will live happily ever after. That is garbage. Don't listen to those guys. That is not in the Bible, by the way. Two weeks ago, the, we talked about their path, that, that, the, the path that Paul and Silas were on. Uh, they wanted uh, God's plan. They wanted God's purpose. And they, and they wanted God's provision, or they saw God's provision, I guess you could say. And, uh, or not provision, providence. And, and it was interesting, we talked about the word providence two weeks ago, and then last week, uh, Dr. Spencer brought up the word providence, and he defined it the exact same way I did. I, I thought, wow, I did my studies, my professor confirmed. You know, that, you know that, that's always a good, good feeling. But the word providence is a compound word. It means, uh, pro means to go beforehand, and then the second half is the word video or to view and God has the providence of God is the the ability to see the future and he knows what is in store for us 
I asked uh, years ago when I was in college, I don't know if it was the, the professor that was here last week or one of my other professors, I don't remember, but I, I asked one of them, I, well, I didn't ask him, I said, uh, boy, I sure wish I knew what God had for me in the future. And you know what his reply was? No, you don't. And I, and I thought, yes, I do. But now looking back, no, I didn't. I, I'm glad I didn't know. I probably wouldn't have come. Why? Because just because I'm in the will of God does not exempt me from hard times. And who, who, who willingly wants to go in, into hard times? Nobody. When we know where God wants us, or we, or we know God's plan for our life, and when we do what he wants us to do, or we do God's purpose for our life, it's easy for us to trust him with the future because of the providence of God. So that was point number one. Point number two we're going to cover this morning. Let's look at their challenges. So we looked at their path two weeks ago. This morning we're going to look at their challenges. Their challenges were significant. Look at verse 20. And they brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up uh, together against them. And the magistrates uh, rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid uh, many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet, feet fast in the stocks. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you again for this day. Thank you so much for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And this morning, Lord, as we look at the difficulties, the, <coughs> the challenges that Paul and Silas faced, they were significant challenges very difficult. But Lord, they did it joyfully. And Lord, we ask as we look at these challenges this morning that you would speak to our hearts and that you would help us to, to be more like you and to be able to respond properly when challenges come into our lives. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Occasionally, I will have somebody say to me, Pastor, you have no idea what I'm dealing with. Nobody knows what I'm dealing with. And that may be true. But there was a man who lived many, many years ago who was pretty smart. His name was Solomon. Solomon <clears throat> discovered a, an important truth that hopefully will be an encouragement to you this morning. 
we see that we see this truth in Ecclesiastes chapter one and verse nine. It says the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Simply put, Solomon is saying there's nothing new under the sun. There is no situation that you can be in that nobody else has never been in. There is nothing new under the sun. The troubles and the struggles that we deal with today are the same struggles that and troubles that they dealt with 2,000 years ago. The only difference is we have the internet. But the troubles and the struggles are still always going to be the same. <clears throat> There's nothing new under the sun. Now, I want to stop here and I want to make a statement because this is important. Please understand, I am in no way trivializing, tri trivializing, did I say that right? Okay, Trivi trivializing people's troubles. That, that's not what I'm doing. Because when we are in the midst of difficulties, it's hard, right? But what I'm trying to do is encourage you because someone else has gone before you. And there are people in this room more than likely that can come alongside you and say, hey, I've been there. I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I, I went through something very similar. And that is, that is what struggle, that, that is what is striving together through difficulties is all about. Coming alongside someone and encouraging them saying, you know what, I've never been in your exact shoes, but you know what, this is what happened to me and this is how God got me through it. That's how we strive together through difficulties. Paul and Silas were resilient. I picked this word resilient for a reason because the word resilient means to be able to withstand difficult conditions. They were resilient. We're going to look at four different ways this morning that they were resilient in their lives. The first one is they were resilient to personal slander. They were resilient to personal slander. Look at verses uh, 20 and 21. And they brought them to the magistrate saying, These men, um, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. Now, there is a lot of problem with these two verses. Number one, well, let, let, let me say this. Personal slander. Well, well, let me ask you a question. How many, how many of you have never been personally slandered? <laughs> okay, I see no hands. So you all know what I'm talking about. Personal slander, first and foremost, is always exaggerated. And it has very little truth to it. Now, these two verses here, 
I want to kind of pick them apart just a little bit because it help you understand when you are attacked personally through slander, you've got to keep in mind, number one, that is always exaggerated. Look at look at verse 20. Uh, the end of verse 20, it says, uh, they uh, do exceedingly trouble the city. Now, <clears throat> granted, do you think Paul and Silas is preaching had an effect on the city? Yeah, I think it did. But was it exceedingly troubled? No. And personal slander always goes to the exaggeration. The other thing is this. It's, it, it's, it, there's always only partial truths in personal slander. Look at verse 21. Uh, uh, <clears throat> and teaching customs which are not lawful for us uh, to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. Is that true? No. What were they? What were they guilty of? Preaching the love of God. They weren't trying to overthrow the government. They weren't doing anything that was unlawful. They were just trying to share the love of God. That was the only thing they were guilty of. Their message would have been similar to what we see in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Their message had to have been very similar to John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Just sharing the love of God. That's what they were doing. But Jesus tells us that we should not be surprised when people react wrong when preaching the word of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all, uh, all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Don't be surprised when you are attacked personally, when you are sharing the love of God in the, to, 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 to the lost world. Don't be surprised. In fact, expect it. And expect it to be exaggerated and expect it to be full of half-truths. Mark it down. If you decide to follow Christ, you're going to be attacked personally. Mark it down. It comes with the territory. We see here the exaggeration. We see the partial truths. Does that, does, 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 knowing those facts, does that eliminate the hurt that we experience in our hearts? It still hurts. It still hurts. The second way that Paul and Silas were resilient is in the political injustice. Political injustice. Look at, look at verse 22. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. Again, had they done anything wrong? 
No. In fact, in fact I've, got, I've got a little side note here for you. Now, those of you that, that uh, like to mark your Bibles, next to uh, verse 22, write verse, verses 37 and 38. Now, let's go, let's go look at verses 37 and 38. Paul, but, but Paul said unto them, they have not beaten us, uh, uh, they, excuse me, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned. Being Romans, we have cast, and have cast us into prison, and now do they trust, uh, excuse me, thrust us out privately. Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told uh, these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. Okay, little history lesson here. What they did to Paul and Silas was absolutely 100% illegal. They condemned them without a trial because they were Roman citizens. Paul... I don't know about Silas, but I, knew, I do know Paul. Paul was Jewish by birth, but he was also a Roman citizen. And the, and the law then said that any Roman citizen, before they could be condemned like that, had to have a fair trial. Boy, does that sound kind of familiar? Okay. Why, where do you think the American uh, constitutionalists got this idea? Just saying. <clears throat> But it was lawful to beat a non-citizen and imprison them, imprison them for no reason. And when the magistrates did this, they thought they were Jews. They did not know they were Roman citizens. So in verses 37 and 38, when Paul says to the, to the jailer, hey, you know what? They beat us. They imprisoned us. They're in big trouble. What did the jailer went to the magistrates and said, guess what you did? And it says that they trembled because they were, they were fearful because of what they had done. Paul and Silas, get, get this. Paul and Silas were beaten and they never said a word about their citizenship. Why? Now, I don't know about you, but I think I'd have been speaking up. I, no, guy, before you do this, you need to. I, I don't know why. We don't know why. We can speculate, and if you do some research, theologians have all kinds of theories of why Paul and Silas did not speak up. And I, I'm not going to get into theory. All I know is they didn't have to, but they but they went ahead and allowed it to happen. Think about that. That's a that's a that, that that's a it's a political injustice is what it is. As I thought about this, my thoughts went to Luke chapter twenty three, verses thirty two and thirty three. Jesus was on the cross when the, the, these, the, this, these verses took place. And it says, 
Uh, and there were also two other malefactors led with him to uh, be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, they were crucified with, uh, 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 there they crucified him. And the malefactors, factors, <clears throat> one on the right hand and the other on the left. Let's skip down to verse 39 to 42. And the one, uh, and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds but this man hath done nothing uh, nothing amiss and he said unto Jesus Lord remember me when I come into thy kingdom have you ever tried to help somebody and it goes south on you not too long ago I <clears throat> I was actually given something and the condition of this gift was that I give it to someone else. Because I'm a pastor, I'm kind of a neutral party, and if somebody wants to stay anonymous, they'll give something to me with the understanding that I'm supposed to give it to them. And so I said, okay. So I, I took it over and <clears throat> showed up on the doorstep and, and handed it to them, and they got offended. We're not a charity case. We don't need handouts. We're just fine. Hey, somebody just gave it to me and wanted me to give it to you. And 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 it got it got ugly really really fast. Unfair things happen all the time. I mean, I, I walked away from that house feeling about that big. Y'all ever been there? Unfair things happen all the time. But that doesn't give us an excuse to stop looking up. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But every man, uh, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom <clears throat> thou hast learned them. So no matter what's going on around you, Keep looking up. Keep looking up. They were resilient in their personal slander. They were resilient to political injustice. In verse 23, they were resilient to mistreatment. Mistreatment. Yeah, anybody here ever been mistreated? I know that's a stupid question. We've all, we all have been. Look at verse 23. <clears throat> Help if I was on the right page. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to
to keep them safely. Again, they had done nothing wrong. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this point because I I think it's it's pretty well understood what, what mistreatment is. mistreatment hurts. And we can be mistreated in a lot of ways. As I have been asked to intervene in relationships um, that are experiencing difficulties, I have seen more often than not that it is a result of... Simple misunderstandings. Simple misunderstandings get blown out of proportion often. And it's easy. It's easy to do. Again, we're all guilty of it. But years ago, I... I, I learned, I, I heard a quote and I learned a principle that has helped me through the years. And the, the quote is this, hurting people hurt people. And the principle is this, when somebody's hurting, they're going to lash out. There was a time many years ago that I, <clears throat> I, I, I got, I, I, I got called into someone's office. This is back at a job I used to have years ago. And I got called into someone's office, and they absolutely unloaded on me. And you know the phrase, getting caught flat-footed? I, I mean, I, was, I sat there just dumbfounded. Come to find out, the reason they unloaded on me was I happened to have been the the first person that this individual saw since receiving really bad news. So guess who got the brunt of it all? But isn't that how we act sometimes? And oftentimes when we are dealing with people and somebody's hurting, they will lash out at, at us unjustly and they will mistreat us verbally. But we need to understand there's almost always something else going on that we don't know about. And if we are going to strive together through difficulties, we have to remember that hurting people hurt people. And we need to be able to be big enough to try and figure out what is really going on. And that's what friends do. <clears throat> but I want you to look at our, our, our two people this morning. Here they had been beaten, thrown in prison, <clears throat> but how did they respond? I hate technology. Stop that. They didn't lash out. In fact, look at verse 25. 
And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. How could, how could they do that? Because they were looking up. They weren't looking at their circumstances. Which leads us to the, to the fourth resilient thing that they, that they did. They were resilient to their circumstances and their surroundings. Really, I, I put on here sur- surroundings, but you could put circumstances either way. They were resilient to their circumstances, their, their surroundings. They did not allow the fact that they had just been beaten and thrown in prison to affect their joy. Their joy was not connected to their surroundings. Their joy was connected to Jesus Christ. And as, and as in our lives, when we get discouraged, when we allow the things of life to take place, and, and when we allow the things of life, the circumstance of life, our surroundings to dictate our happiness, we are in big trouble because our joy will be taken away from us. We will, no, no, it's not going to, no, we will give away our joy. Now, I don't know, I, I, I don't know the conversation that Paul and Silas had. I, I have no idea. We are not told what, how they talk to each other, but I can, I can kind of picture a conversation like this taking place. Paul saying to Silas, Silas, hey buddy, I, I know you're hurting, but keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. He's in control. Don't, don't allow this to discourage you. And Silas, I just had this picture in my mind of Silas looking at Paul and saying, don't worry, Paul. I know God's got me. I know, I know he's still in control. He is the God of heaven. He knows all things. And I can just see this conversation going back and forth. And I'm here to tell you, that is how we, we strive together through difficulties. That's how we do it. And I don't know, I, I am, this is my opinion, but I believe with all my heart that is exactly what Paul and Silas were doing. Because you can't tell me that they got beaten, thrown in jail, and had a great time. No. In fact, one of them along the way said, hey, you know what? Let's quit, let's quit concentrating on our backs and, and let's quit concentrating on the fact that we're hurting and we're in prison. Let's just start singing praises to God. And they just started singing. Now, I don't know. But I've never pictured Paul as being having a good voice. Why? I don't know. The Bible says that Paul, in his appearance, was not a very attractive man. So I, I maybe maybe I've just pictured that he had a he had a bad voice too. I don't know. But I did. You know, hey, this is my I'm preaching. I get to say what you know. Um, <clears throat> I just, I picture Silas, the one starting the song. Paul probably said, hey, Silas, get us started. And they just started singing praises to God. 
I don't know how it happened. But have you ever had a bad day? I don't know about you, but to me, that qualifies as a bad day. I just had a vision of him with a helmet on going down the highway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about this. This is speculation on my part, but I don't think you've had a bad day as bad as their day. Just saying, okay? Going, go yeah, not yet. Um, going back to what Solomon said, hey, there's nothing new under the sun. We all have bad days. We all are going to have good days and bad days, and you know. But it's what we do with those days that is the key. How we react to those bad days is the key. Now I'm going to read a story to you because, and, and I've read it before, and many of you probably already know this, but I just I felt it was important for this morning's message. One of the best well-known hymns that we sing is It Is Well With My Soul. It was written by a guy named Horatio Spafford. Mr. Spafford was a very wealthy businessman in the city of Chicago. And in the fire of 1871, he lost all of his wealth. The majority of his wealth was in properties. He had he had buildings all over Chicago. And when they burned to the ground, he 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 lost the majority of his wealth. And I can't imagine the pressure and the and the anxiety that he went through uh, during during the fire and, and the, the, the immediate days after the fire. It was a huge strain on he and his family. So Mr. Spafford uh, decided to to go to Europe and to help uh, um, D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was holding a series of revival meetings all over Europe, and he had decided that he and his family to just get out of Chicago, and, and they were going to go to Europe, and they were going to travel with D.L. Moody and, and, and help with these revivals all over Europe. And as they were going to the port, D.L., uh, um, uh, Mr. Spafford was was contacted and and uh, there was some important business that he had to take care of. So he sent his wife and four daughters ahead on the ship. And as they were cutting across the Atlantic Ocean, a tragic accident happened. Two ships collided. And his four daughters drowned to death. And he received a, a telegram from his wife saying, Saved alone. Spafford quickly made arrangements on the next ship to join his wife in Europe. And he had told the captain, he said, hey, when we get to this spot where this accident happened, please let me know. So when they got close to the spot, he he sent for Mr. Spafford and he went to the bridge and the captain told him, he said, to the best of my ability, we, we are basically right now about as close as we can get to the spot where the accident happened. Horatio Spafford went to the deck and looked over 
and he penned these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. These incredibly powerful words were written in a time of much pain. These words have <clears throat> encouraged thousands, probably millions of people as they were going through difficult times. So often we forget. It is in the midst of difficulties that God does his greatest works. Paul and Silas reacted much like Horatio Spafford. Verse 25 again. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Now we're going to talk more about verse 25 and following next week. But the reality is this. In the midst of their hurting, they didn't withdraw. They didn't turn within themselves and moan and whine and complain about life. They sang praises to God. But generally speaking, what do we do? When we get hurt, when life doesn't go the way we want it to, what do we do? We, we want to go out into the desert, dig a hole, and bury ourselves, do we not? What we need to do is go out into the desert, get on top of a mountain, and start singing praises to God. Because that's what I have to do now. I don't have a motorcycle anymore, so I have to go out in the, out in the desert, find me a hill where nobody can hear me, and just start singing praises to God. See, their joy was not connected to their circumstances. Their joy was connected to Jesus Christ. Now, so the question is this, where's your joy? Is your joy, are you only happy when everything's going right? I hope not. We can become so consumed with our circumstances and our, our surroundings that we allow our joy to be taken away. Or we can choose to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, in closing, let me say this. John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, 
but in everything when by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus I want to just very quickly I want to share with you this verse the importance of this verse if you can explain it God's not in it that's what he's saying and the peace of God which passes all understanding. It does not make sense that Paul and Silas could be have been beaten, thrown into prison, and they're singing praises. That does not make sense. But we'll see next week, great things came from it. And if you can explain it, then God's not in it. And we can be happy Christians, we can be joyful Christians in the midst of incredible circumstances. Where's your joy this morning? Where is it? Where is your joy tied to? Is it tied to the Lord or is it tied to your circumstances? Let's pray. Dear Lord,